Hello and welcome to the Coast to Coast College Admissions Podcast. Each week, we talk about different college admissions topics and answer those tough questions you may be dealing with concerning getting into the college of your choice. We know how difficult this process can be, so each week, we try and make it easier to navigate. Now, here's your host, Anna Wren and Mark Hoffer. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Coast to Coast College Admissions Podcast. I'm your host, Anna, with... Mark Hofer. Mark, so good to talk to you. Good to talk to you after a break, and uh, you've had some travels and recharged your batteries, and I'm, I'm excited to uh, talk about some more college stuff. Yes, it's been super exciting. It's good to hear about how other countries uh, do their education. Um, but before we get into the awesome topic we have planned for our audience today, I just want to invite everyone to post a review. If you're enjoying the information we're sharing on our podcast, please post a review for us on iTunes. Uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. So uh, this week we are uh, talking about something that I hope is timely and that uh, I think a lot of students, and I have students who are different years, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, talking about what's the best thing to do during the summer in relationship to college admissions and applications? That is a great question. And I think it is very timely because I don't know about you, but I have families coming in and trying to think like, oh, what should we do this summer? And there's so many questions around it. Exactly. And there's quite a few options, right, Mark? Exactly. I think that's one of the things you have to ask a lot of questions to kind of narrow it down. I think that uh, one of the toughest parts is, is narrowing down the number of things and then trying to identify one that, you know, uh, hits all the points that they're looking for. That is a great point. So let's start with the types of activities and maybe first talk about why it's important to stay engaged and is it okay to not do anything over the summer? Is it okay to do, to not do anything? I think, yeah, all we have to do is ask a parent, is it okay if they do nothing this summer? I th I'd, I've seen that uh, backfire rather quickly. Um, I, I think doing nothing is not an option. Have you heard of anybody who says, go ahead, don't do anything this summer? No, I mean, I think all of us in our profession and in the counseling and college admissions world do encourage students to make the best use of their summer. I think it's especially important for rising juniors and seniors, too, because it's sometimes a question on the application. Absolutely. I think one of the things on the application is uh, a lot of times you'll see things, and this teases out a lot of different kinds of information, what have you done the past two summers? That's a real classic um, kind of trying to tease out more information in that one question than just what did you do, but also all kinds of other things. Are you consistent? Have you done the same thing? Those kind of things. Yes. So let's dive into the different types of activities, and then you can explain one of our favorite terms, which is twofers or threefers. <laughs> threefers, yeah. Well, and that's... That's one of the, the I, I tell students, you don't want to approach this as something of, you know, getting on the hamster wheel and you're just knocking off and doing things because they look good on a college application. Because I think that's a terrible way to spend your summer is trying to hit bullet points on an application that'll make you look good. 
And also, I think a lot of colleges are, you know, they're, they're starting to identify that uh, some of these things that students do to pad their application, they're, they're just, they, they look phony anyway. So I think that's one thing that students have to understand. You want to do something that's fun and something that you're going to learn from. But if you are doing it, also know that it can look good on your application. I think that's a great point that you raised, depending on when you start an activity and how it relates to, I talked to a student, I'm like, how does it relate to your profile is very telling in terms of letting admissions know whether you're doing it just for the sake of doing it or whether you're really genuinely interested in doing it. Exactly. I, one, of, one of my students made fun of me because they know I have this, as you know, this <laughs> for grilled cheese sandwiches. And, um, they actually said, you know, one of the things I want to do this summer is I want to learn how to make a really good grilled cheese sandwich. And I threw it back at him and I said, well, that's actually a really good idea because like we've had different podcasts before talk about food and skills that you take to college. Well, the thing is learning how to make a grilled cheese sandwich, you know, that'll fit right into the hero's journey if you want to write an essay about it. Absolutely. I think that's a great point um, in terms of, you know, real. So I think that almost also counts in addition to like a life skill, maybe. Uh, also um, speaks to interest, too, if you're like a foodie, right? Exactly. So um, let's talk about these different interests because they do fall into different categories. So that, the one you brought up, could be personal <laughs> or self-improvement. Self-improvement. Yeah, I, I think we, we've identified a couple of them that uh, I think different categories that you can put some of these different experiences or different uh, things to do during the summer. So, I mean, the first one is, of course, academic, and that can be driven, you know, by, by your own interests, but you can also use academic in different ways. Um, I know that there are a lot of students who um, they are actually pursuing a different level of experience uh, that's not available to them in school. So they may take a language that's more um, at a higher level, or they may be taking math at a level that's not available to them um, in the curriculum at their school. So those are things that they can show, you know, not only the incentive and, and self-driven motivation, but those are things that also can definitely help you when you get to college. That's a great point. And it brought me to one of my questions in terms of like, um, so if you are some students, I know if they feel like they have to have a certain class before graduating. So I'll give you an example. Um, for example, business students typically try to have calculus on their transcript or pre-calc, but if it doesn't look that way, like some students might take a class over the summer and then take a placement exam to jump a course. So that could be something. And then another thing, like you kind of said, was taking a course that's not available. Um, so, for example, if it's a course that is, if you already know what you want to major in, maybe it's a course related to that. Um, it could be a programming course, you know, because, you know, computer science is very hot right now. Um, or, you know, if your school doesn't offer psychology, but your local community college does, that's another option. So I think in that sense, it's really good. Um, but I guess the other thing is, 
what if you are on a tight budget? Do you have to take an do you have to take do you have to spend a fortune on academic courses? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things. A lot of online courses or uh, at your local community college, if you've got a good community college system, um, you can take classes for a lot less than you would at like a major institution. And a, a lot of online classes um, uh, for things like language classes and some math um, classes as well, you actually can get tutoring. Um, and online, it can be as, as valuable as if the person was in the room. That's a great point, Making, uh, leveraging technology. And I know there's certain online platforms and even um, in which other universities, I think Yale, is it, is also making their happiness site course available to the public. So there are a bunch of online courses and different resources um, in which you can sign up, and some don't even cost anything. Right. Um, I know um, ASU also has courses MIT has a number of courses that are available that you can take, but they're not um, for credit. You, I mean, you have to pay for credit. Um, yeah, different colleges have different avenues on which you uh, can take a lot of different academic courses. And there again, if you're not taking it for credit, um, even being able to speak to that, why you took it and um, what you learned, um, those are things that are incredibly valuable for speaking to on an application or speaking to when you have an interview. That's a great point. Especially I think of like when they ask you why you want to study what you want to study, being able to show evidence of exploration in those areas is a great way to do that. And you used the word I think that is, is really important. I, I can't stress enough to, to students how much when they say something that they're interested in X, um, you use the word evidence. And that's the thing I think students don't realize how powerful it is to say, this is really important to me. I'm really passionate about this. Um, for example, uh, and then you basically identify the things that support your statement, the evidence that says why you're interested um, and why you pursued it. And I think that's one thing that students don't realize how important that evidence, especially during the summer, if you can show that you actually made an effort to seek out an opportunity, um, that is really important. Yes, I think that's a, that's a great point to emphasize. And then how about also for students that might not have done as great in a course? Um, how can they leverage that over the summer? Right. You already, you already spoke to the, the thing that I think we've heard from um, admissions representatives state they want to see students who have taken the hardest classes available to them um, at either at their school or available in other ways um, and they want to see that they've done well well sometimes you don't do as well in a class as you might want but if over the summer you take the same class again and then get full value, or get, you get a 4.0 on it online or at a community college. There's no reason that you have to take that class, but it does provide exactly like you, you said. It provides that evidence that it's important that you understand that information. And I think calculus is a perfect example, pre-calc or calculus. If you um, show that you've got mastery of that information after maybe not doing so well at, at the first time you took the course, 
it provides a college with evidence that, you know, education, academics, and doing well is important to you. And perseverance. I mean, all of those things. That's a great point, perseverance. And I know, like, for certain schools, I'm thinking specifically of the UC system, you have to obtain certain grades in certain core subjects in order to qualify. So, you know, I don't think it's a definite uh, end to the game if you get, for example, a D. I think, you know, the summer offers an opportunity, like you said, to take that class again and make it up. So I think it's really important also to, if there are certain schools you're interested in and you didn't do as well, to understand what you can do about it. Absolutely. And I think, I think that's one thing that colleges are very happy to see as somebody who has done something that provides that evidence of perseverance and, and showing that information is important to you and knowing and mastery. So let's talk about the next one, leadership. And I think along with that team building, because I, I like to think that they go hand in hand. What are some activities in terms of you know, being able to, because I think it's hard for every teen to get a chance at their high school during the school year to demonstrate leadership. But what are some activities that might not carry the leadership title, but still develop leadership skills? You bet. As you know, I've taught leadership for over a decade to teens. And and one of the things, leadership, I, I always teach that there's two types of leadership. There's leadership of self and um, basically reflection of self and your own behavior and trying to grow as a human being. And then there's leadership of others. And if you don't take care of the first part, leading others is not usually very successful. So um, that's one thing, like you say, what are some of the things that are, how do you define leadership? I think now we see a lot of students who... Um, think they have to be either start a new club or start an organization or be the the person who leads from the front. And that's not necessarily true. I think leadership takes on a a lot of different forms. And there's the classic of leading from behind where um, you can support somebody else and still be a leader. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic. And I think colleges are aware that there are different types of leadership. So what are some of the classic cases that you've had students who have um, had an outstanding leadership position that, that basically set them up on an application well? I think sometimes students, like you said, they, they're so concerned about the title leadership positions that they overlook that they have other leadership positions, such as being over the summer a camp counselor. While it might not be a traditional title, the fact is you are um, mentoring and inspiring others, right? Or another one I think of that I like is peer advising or being a peer mentor in school or a peer mediator. I give those kids a lot of credit (laughs) to be able to uh, mediate and diffuse a situation and come out with win-win outcomes. So I think there's, those are some of my favorites personally. Um, But there's also more traditional things like, you know, with Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, I know they have their own leadership projects too, and those can also be done over the summer. How about you? Yeah, all of those are, are things I think that um, are recognized as, as stepping into a leadership role. And, and I, I mean, the classics are, if I also like those uh, situations where students take the opportunity to reach out and lead by example. And those things are like uh, coaching a younger team, like if you're a, mm-hmm. if you're a soccer coach for a younger team, 
or um, like you say, a tutor can can be an incredible opportunity to be a leader in a very different um, form. Those are all things that show you're involved with something. Then there's also the kind of leadership where you put yourself in positions where you have to learn your own leadership and taking care of yourself and becoming um, more effective uh, leader of yourself so you can be effective leader of others. There's a lot of different outdoors courses like um, Knowles, the outdoor leadership system. They have courses all over the country that are usually um, done outside and they teach leadership um, concepts. And I think those are also great opportunities to step into. No, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, along with the leadership is also working with and um, helping your community. And it could be service learning opportunities. I had a student in the past who kind of fell into a leadership role at a local nonprofit. And he said it was really interesting to be kind of be designated in charge and the people under him were other volunteers that were like retired old women. And he said it was definitely an interesting dynamic. And I said, but I bet you learned a lot about yourself. And I bet you learned a lot about how to lead because you know, you still have to do it in a respectful way. Being a leader isn't just telling people what to do. Absolutely. The, the service learning opportunity where you basically are taking the role of uh, a leader or a guide or even a teacher of information that you know and providing it to others in your community. I think those, those opportunities should be seized whenever possible. And one thing that you put in our notes um, when we were passing ideas back and forth was actually the, the, the idea of starting something of your own accord. Basically, you know, creating something new and um, taking the reins and, and rallying others around an idea. And that's a true leadership component for sure, is whenever you're starting something completely new, as opposed to being a participant, which is very different. And I think it has to come from a place like, uh, and I think I raised that because sometimes I have students that believe like, oh, their age might be a restriction, for example, from certain activities. And I think that should not hinder you. If there's something you want to do, go do it. (laughs) I just read an article the other day about how 11-year-old kids started their own bath bomb business. And it's like a million-dollar company now. (laughs) So if you have a passion for something, by all means, let it come from something you enjoy and, you know, don't let your age or any other factor hinder you from trying something new. Yeah, I think there's so many, so many extremely successful businesses where the, the people who started them basically created something for themselves or themselves and their friends. I mean, Facebook and Twitter are perfect examples. Um, those were started basically as, as, as an, you know, internal idea that uh, was supposed to be something fun. And like you said, it was something that was useful for them and other people found it useful as well. So Yeah. So let's move on and talk about self-improvement and why summer is a great opportunity. And some, so we touched upon languages, but what other activities? Sure. I, well, you know, I mean, there are those things that sound frivolous and you do them because they're fun or because you're interested. We have a circus school here in Seattle. And the circus school, it basically, it welcomes all comers. So anybody who wants to come and play and learn something new, if you want to learn a backflip on the, you know, on the trapeze, 
if you want to learn how to juggle, if you want to learn how to unicycle. And I think those kind of things, even though they're fun, those show a different kind of learning and a different kind of persistence because you can't learn to do it, you know, in an afternoon. That's a great point. Have you, I'm going to ask a personal question. Have you taken anything at the trapeze school? It was, it was scary and exhilarating and scary and (laughs) scary. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually know how to juggle. I know how to juggle as well. Matter of fact, I, I, I I used to have that as a requirement in one of my uh, classes. It was actually a requirement to graduate fifth grade. And that's how we all learned. Nice. It was so much fun. And I think it really um, forces you to, to act in a different way. And you do find yourself out of your comfort zone. And I think um, learning to do new things that you're not entirely comfortable with at first uh, also demonstrates something about your character. Agreed. And speaking about character, and we know that those are the kind of things that, that a personal essay, the, the 650 words that you use are supposed to provide evidence, again, of your character and things that are important to you. And I think, like, if you're learning to play an instrument just because, or you're learning to juggle, or you're learning to trapeze, um, any of those things can be turned into an incredible essay. Um, and I mean, talk about a great, a, a great first sentence. If you start off with, I remember the first time I flew. As, oh, that's great. I mean, that's, and, and I know somebody who is a trapeze artist and they could use that as an incredible essay. Talk about a way to catch the reader's attention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I think in addition to learning, again, whether it be things that you just find fascinating or things related to your field, You could also spend your summer just doing something that's personal, right? Oh, you mean for fun? Why would you do that? It's only right. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. It's it's amazing how many uh, people have identified a completely different major that they want to study by pursuing something fun during the summer or talking to somebody who wouldn't have otherwise. Yes. And I would say like, and again, it gives you the opportunity for really interesting essays too, because, you know, um, one of the most memorable essays that stands out to me was this girl, I think it's a girl who wrote about folding a thousand paper cranes for a Johns Hopkins essay. And it's on their website. And I think if you have personal goals or I had a friend who wanted to read all the books on like, I forgot, like some list, like the top 100 most, you know, impactful books of our time or something like that. But I think anything, you know, literally could be any interest and it doesn't have to be because you think it'll look good to colleges. Right. One of my favorite essays this past year was um, someone who talked about going to summer camp and that they had uh, identified that they wanted to climb every mountain. And of course, they were in an area where it wasn't big mountains, but <laughs> every mountain within uh, 50 miles. And they talked about what they learned about themselves and others over the summer. And it was an outstanding essay. That's so cool. I'm sure that there's the school they went to appreciated it too. Well, you hope so. They got turned down by some people, so I don't know. You know, I think that's the other thing. When we talk about essays, we we have talked about essays in the past, but you know, not everything works for everyone. So 
<laughs> exactly. And I tell my students that don't be afraid to take a risk just because, you know, you don't think it'll resonate. Oh, for like, sure. You, you just have to be yourself. And I think that's the most important part. And I think that's the thing that we hear from um, those people who read the essays is be yourself and tell us something that's unique about you. So that's a big one. So we've talked about academic leadership and self-improvement. How about just the famous personal interest? Famous personal interest. Yeah, you're doing things just because you have an interest in it. Do those, th those count for uh, putting something down as a, as a summer activity? I think it does. But I, I have had this as, um, come up as a question before. How about if you just want to play video games all summer? Oh, that's a good one. What do you, well, what did you tell them? If they said, all I want to do is play video games all summer, were you able to either explore why that was or why that could work for them? I think both in the sense that, because I, I know there's actually, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's some colleges and, univer and universities that actually um, treat video game as like a new sport. So there's some kids that it can actually win scholarship money for playing video games. Although I think that's on the rarer side. But I also encourage them, I think, to try something else because they've done this already. So even though they like video games, maybe finding other ways to learn in terms of what about creating your own, learn, learning how to create your own game. Exactly. Um, and finding parallels that way. One of the things I think that whenever somebody is involved with a particular interest and they're very passionate about it um, is how do you create that or how do you explain it to somebody else or how do you share that interest with somebody else? Um, and there again, the service learning components of that are endless. Absolutely. And then what are other personal interests I guess students could explore? Well, I mean, and we've talked about some of these, the, the anything to deal with travel, I'm such a big fan of travel and you, you know, I have such a fascination with, with languages that I'm always encouraging students, you know, if you have the chance, if you have the chance to travel someplace where you are not only um, offered the opportunity, but maybe even you don't have the choice to speak a different language. Um, it is an incredible way to provide yourself with an opportunity to see other parts of the world or other people or other cultures or through their language. And I think mm. that is huge. That is a great point. And then we're going to have to talk about later um, service opportunities abroad because I know that's a hot topic too yep. with families. Is that a great idea? But how about families that might not be able to afford you know, price-wise certain programs or because of time um, and they have family obligations. Is that okay? For sure. And I think that is an example of different kinds of things that schools like to see. Um, we, you know, these are characteristics that basically you're going to provide evidence of characteristics that are going to help you when you get to college and your potential and so I think some of these things like maturity and responsibility, there are a lot of ways that you can show those characteristics are part of you and what you bring to us to a school. And you are not, you, you basically are obligated um, by circumstance to um, do certain things during the summer. I know you have uh, some ideas about 
are, and have had students who have been, um, you know, basically put into situations where they don't have an opportunity to do travel or learn a language so that they're doing different things during the summer. For example, no, for that's example, true. I know that you've, you've worked in your parents' restaurant. I did. Uh, that was actually before high school, so I never got to list that. But, um, but what I do think is interesting is, you know, I think some students assume just because they're, like, for example, watching their younger sister over the summer, that that doesn't count towards anything. But the truth is, you can list it as an activity on the, on the uh, application. Or if you, for example, depending on your family's financial situation, if you have to work, for money instead of being able to do community service or join like a learning opportunity that counts too. And you can absolutely put that down too. Yeah. Those are the, those are those situations that show you not only have the maturity to work in those um, types of situations, but you also understand that you have a responsibility and, and those are things, those are qualities that, that can't be uh, dismissed. And I, and colleges love to see, that you're stepping up in those situations and that's what you're going to bring to the school. And I think they, they, they almost have a personal soft spot for that um, in my ex- experience of reading different essays about that type of stuff. Because, you know, I think colleges look at you within context, right? So knowing what your circumstances dictates, you know, okay, well, if she's spending all her time working a part-time job, a full-time job to help with family expenses, then it makes sense why she can't do so many other activities, right? And I think the other thing with working with families that come from that group is I would say to those students, don't feel like you need a flashy job or a flashy internship to look good for college. Do what you do. Do what you need to do. And, you know, I think it shapes your character just the same. Yeah. And I think when colleges see somebody who is working 20 or more hours a week and they are keeping their grades up, that is a whole different kind of level of respect uh, for a student's, you know, basically grit and gumption um, that they can not only uh, satisfies their responsibility to their family, but they also understand that um, how important their academics are. And those those two together, I don't know colleges who don't recognize that that's a very unique situation. That's a great point. But let's say you can do an internship or a volunteer activity. What's What are good ones? Are there any bad ones, I guess I'm asking? <laughs> well, I think I think the most important thing and when we're talking about this with a broad brush, your summer activity, as long as you can talk about what you did, what you learned, and why it's important to you, um, and how it has had an influence on how you think about the world, if you can do that, there really isn't um, anything that that really falls out of uh, favor, I think, as long as you can identify and reflect on what it's done for you. Um, but I think it's always nice to be put in those situations where you're um, pressed to learn something about yourself or learn something about the world. I think that would be the one thing to look for. That's a great point that you raise. And I think also as students look at opportunities, you know, for example, for internships or otherwise, if you can pick something related to what you're potentially interested in studying in the future or even a personal interest, I think that can really go a long way. I think, you know, just volunteering, I mean, volunteering is great, but, you know, for example, volunteering at the library, 
just because you want some hours is probably not as great as if you, for example, wanted to volunteer at a local camp because you have an interest in one day becoming a teacher. Right. I used to run the, an internship for an aerospace company and it was for college students initially. And then we started to open it up to high school students. And one of the things I can tell you for sure, if you're a high school student who's thinking about engineering, if, an, if your application shows that you actually had an internship in a meaningful position at uh, you know, someplace that does engineering and you were put into a position where you had to assume some responsibility or testing or research, um, that is invaluable if you're applying to a school of engineering. That's a great point. And you know what? I actually, I'll put this out there too. I thought I wanted to be an engineer. Isn't that crazy, Mark? <laughs> um, so one of the things I did was I actually worked at an engineering firm over the summer. And what I learned, I learned a lot. Like I learned how to, you know, make CAD drawings and other stuff. But what I also learned, which was equally important, was I didn't want to become an engineer. Oh, and that is an absolute, that's an incredibly valuable thing to learn before you go into college and spend all that time, and especially for any of the STEM you know, majors, if you have not actually done those things at some level or been around people who do them as a job, um, you are, it's a very big risk you're taking going in and you know, throwing, throwing the dice all on one major that you have not been exposed to in a very deep way. And engineering is a classic one. I, I write on that all the time about how students who are good at math get put into, um, or I, I assume that they're just going to be loving engineering. And it's not always the case. So I think you're right. Finding out that you don't like something is an extremely valuable way to spend the summer too. Yep, I would totally agree. And, and actually, I fall into that same trap. I really liked math and science, and I thought engineering was a great fit. And it took a part-time engineering job to show me that it wasn't. <laughs> Which is valuable. It is. I, I don't trade it for anything. And also learning to work for that first paycheck is definitely interesting too. That's another thing is, is the learning to find um, things that you're not good at or that you don't like. And also the, um, your relationship with being paid, uh, you know, uh, money for a good, uh, for a job well done. Those are, incredibly valuable things to learn and they also make incredible topics for for an essay um i don't like to you know overemphasize the 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 opportunity for using some of your summer activities for an essay but they can work so well you're absolutely right they i i find like many students use them as inspiration so i think that's a great point so let's revisit what do schools want what do they want out of these students when it comes to summer? For sure. Well, when you, ha when you have a student who says, okay, I want to do something this summer. I don't know what I want to do. Have you got any suggestions? Do you actually identify some of the things that they might want to consider, but also do so knowing some of the things that colleges want to see? Do you offer those kind of uh, guidance tips? I think I start more with the student and less focused on what the college wants to see because I honestly think that most activities, except maybe gaming your summer away, 
um, or watching K-dramas, as is also the case with some of my female <laughs> students, is a good way to spend the summer. But overall, I think it's anything, um, I think you touch up, and you will touch upon it, is, you know, growth of some kind or exploration. Yeah, I, I, I try, I, 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 I'm guilty of actually suggesting things that A, challenge them in some way to think about um, their own opportunity to learn something new and putting themselves into kind of a, a position that makes them vulnerable um, and that it's outside of their comfort, comfort zone a little bit. I, I do that also knowing that that could be an incredible thing to use as a, an opportunity of their character, um, evidence of their character in, in their applications. So I do kind of lead the witness in that. And I don't, I think, you know, depending on the student, maybe they, they could use that, you know, and I think another thing is what I do is I like what you said about challenging them. And I do think it's important to challenge students to wander outside of their comfort zone. And especially when I read articles about like how to not raise a sociopath, because as you know, I have a one-year-old daughter and, uh, and not that that's on my mind all the time that she'll be a sociopath, but I think it speaks to the, um, the idea that we should encourage um, each generation to be compassionate and thoughtful um, and tolerant. And I think that's more important than ever sometimes. So I do, you know, have them think about, well, what activities could challenge you to, for example, interact with people that are different from you? Then how would you do in that setting? Because college is often a place where people are different from you. Exactly. That's, that's the thing that I think um, students want to be aware of. Um, colleges are looking for people you know, we, we've, we've made fun of this in past podcasts, but it's a very real thing. Niceness. Um, are you a nice person? Do you, you know, do you have compassion like you mentioned? Um, are you a contributor to your community? Are you thoughtful? Um, do you care about others? These kind of things as opposed to, like you say, raising a sociopath or somebody who is so self-absorbed and we have all read that essay that basically is, you know, you might as well put a, a label on your forehead that says entitled and mm. self-serving. And I, I don't think those students who have not had the challenge to reflect on, on their place in the universe, um, they, they, fall, they fall into the trap of not knowing the, how self-serving they sound and how elitist they sound. Um, and like you say, you know, compassion and uh, respect for others goes a long way. It really does. And I think, I think of one of those students I had had in the past, and it was interesting. His parents had just signed him up for a summer activity and didn't care whether he liked to go or not. But, and this is before I met him. And so, but when he came back, he was a changed person. Yep. And I think it has to also do with the people you meet. And I honestly think like every person you meet has the ability to help you grow and change a little bit about you if you give them the opportunity. And he just came back and so much more mature and grateful, very grateful, this kid. And, you know, I think these all demonstrate maturity. The, uh, the Knowles classes that I, or courses that I've talked about, um, and that's the National Outdoor leadership school those 
those classes um, basically put individuals and they're for all ages. But if you're a teen and it's the first time that you've been responsible for yourself and you have to take care of yourself, um, that like you say, you can come back from a, a one or two week experience very changed about how you view yourself and others. And I think that that is amazing in terms of an opportunity. So I'm curious, what, uh, what's the most interesting thing you've ever had a, a, a summer or had a student suggest to you um, as evidence for college potential? What, what's, what's the thing that they thought would be really great for them to do that you really kind of went, hmm, I don't see that. Um, I had a student, and I'm not saying, I had a student once who thought that it might make sense to write and produce a horror film. Ooh. And I have nothing against the genre, but I asked him, like, why do you think this is important? And he just finds them entertaining. And for sure, that could be something. But I think as compared to everything else I knew about him, I knew he had potential to really do something that demonstrated more about his, both his intellect, um, but also his thoughts about the world and sending a positive message out there. So I actually sent him to rethink that. Um, and then he did come up with something much better and it's, I, you know, that I think is more reflective of him rather than just something he thinks is cool right now. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned the video game summer. Um, I actually had somebody who said their aspiration for the summer was to reach like a certain level of a game. And they figured that it probably would take at least two months. Wow. They, figured <laughs> they played pretty much all the time they would reach it. And that one, that was uh, – hmm. I did not see any way I could twist that or turn it into being um, other than, you know, the pursuit of a self-absorbed thing. And I, I have nothing against video games, but I just couldn't see where that was. Like you say, I saw so many other things that this student could do and so much more potential. But for some reason, that was, that was his idea of, of the way to spend the summer. And I would say... I to not knock video games, I'll, I'll, I'll add this point. Um, I actually did have a student who wrote about video gaming in one of her essays. And it was very well received, I believe. So we're not knocking and saying you guys can't play video games. But I think um, look at everything you have to offer first. For sure. Have you ever suggested, uh, have you ever recommended that students don't do something over the summer? Like when they when they are, are suggesting, uh, I want to do something over the summer, and you're trying to funnel down all the op options, and you know they're leaning towards something, and you say, you know, how about not that? I know that you said for, for video games, I've, I couldn't see that one. Or is there one that, that you said, no, definitely don't do that? I don't think I've ever blatantly said that, but I think similar to what I've talked about before is finding a parallel. So I have a student who loves cars, and so they wanted to just build and take apart classic cars. 
I think the challenge with that is sometimes it can be viewed as entitled because not everyone can do that. But I do at the same time feel like they're nurturing um, creativity and engineering skills with that. So I did kind of make other suggestions that would still touch upon that. See, I would have I turned that one around and I would ask them, you know, is there a place in town that you might be able to get an internship or a job during the summer? Um, do, That's a really good idea. That, that I think would, would checklist a lot of different things. So you, you never know. Um, and of course, there, there again, I'm a kind of a, I, I'm, I'm pro, pro taking things apart as from the engineering perspective. <laughs> I do believe in taking things apart. I think that's a great point. I was trying to make it find more educational value, although there is inherent educational value as well. So another question, because you and I both have these types of students. Can a student do too much during the summer? <laughs> you know, I just heard a mother outline. Uh, this is somebody who's, who's thinking about, and they're a sophomore. And wow. they were outlining what this, this student, who she is completely self-driven and in a healthy way, but when she was outlining taking an online course, volunteering, um, at, at a nearby organization, um, some traveling and also visiting um, some colleges. And when I look at the number of, of weeks in the summer and how much she was trying to do, I, you know, I want to see somebody make the most of their time. But I also know if you're burned out as a sophomore and heading into your, uh, your junior year, mm. it's better. Yeah, that's a great point. But you brought up the point that I say too, which is you don't want to burn yourself out. Which can happen, you know? And it, it's one of the things that I don't think we have as part of our um, self-regulation that we teach students is when am I doing too much and what are the, what are the signs physically and mentally? Uh, you know, if, if all you're doing is... is uh, eating Cheetos and you can't communicate with anybody, it's a sign of burnout right there. It's a good point. And when you're not getting enough sleep, and I have those conversations with my students quite a bit because I have parents who come to me and say, my kids are staying up later than I am. <laughs> so, um, so, and they're like, then I have to stay up too. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's have a chat here. Um, and about the importance of sleep. Um, this is a, question that often comes up um, because now or maybe a few months ago is the season to receive a ton of mailers which yeah. is is there value in the pricey college summer programs wow the 800 pound gorilla in the room isn't it yeah i mean as as counselors we see all of these these flyers that come up you know join us for your summer of stem education join us for your um leadership education and the thing is, a lot of them are not cheap. So, you know, no. that, that, you know, makes you wonder if you're doing something like that and colleges and you, you're doing it basically to show uh, as something or as evidence that you're uh, trying to improve yourself for a college application. I think colleges have kind of a, a quagmire. They, they look at it as, boy, this person comes from means and this was the way they challenged themselves was to be basically a participant in a very expensive program. It makes you wonder if they look at it as entitlement or do they look at it as a challenge? 
Mm. So what I've also found is, so the common question is, will this help my kid get in? And (laughs) I I hate that question. But uh, what I would say is I think it's good to engage in programs that help your child explore their academic or personal interests. But understand that going and signing up for a program at a specific college does not improve your odds of admission at that college. But overall, doing something like we talked about earlier, like that, you know, in which you learn something is helpful. <laughs> right, right, right. I think that falls right into the, the, the classic answer, I think, for all things college applications and admissions is the answer of absolutely maybe. You know, <laughs> it, it absolutely maybe help you get into uh, whichever college you're looking for, but it's not a sure thing. And I think I, I, I really challenge students that if you're looking at one of those types of programs, is there a way that you could show you've actually become, um, you know, self-directed and that you've, uh, you know, looked for those opportunities locally and um, sought out people uh, and built relationships and learn those same things locally as opposed to being a participant in something that's already set up. It's all there for you. All you have to do is show up. That's a very different skill and very different experience than I think going out and seeking the opportunities yourself and in creating your experience. That is such great advice, Mark. And I sometimes tell my students, I'm like, you know, there are other options I'm sure that don't cost as much if it doesn't fit your budget. Yep. Um, don't do something you don't feel comfortable with. For sure. I think, uh, well, we haven't talked about this, but one of the things that I think a lot of students feel pressured, we all know how important that ridiculous, you know, standardized test number uh, is yes. in application. And we know that that is one of the first criteria that colleges are looking for. So students feel pressure to get the highest score possible. So they see this opportunity of a couple of months of being time just to study and focus on, you know, preparing for like the SAT or the ACT. Um, would, what do you say to, to students when they say, all I'm going to do is I'm going to focus for the June, you know, for, for the August test, I'm going to spend every you know, week after school gets out just basically glued in to um, taking an SAT prep course? Mm, Such a good question and very popular in my area too. I think I tell them that, you know, colleges look beyond scores as well. Um, And especially with summer accounting for so much of your free time that you can't really put SAT prep as one of your activities (laughs) on your resume. (laughs) Uh, You could, but I I, I don't think you would. Um, And I think, you know, it depends, right? Because scoring well can, you know, obviously admissions related, but also it can potentially lead to merit scholarships as well. But at the same time, I would say, A, I don't think that that would be much fun to do that all summer. And B, you know, this is what irks me a lot is, I don't know if you have this in your area, but there's a lot of prep companies in our area that encouraged students to start prepping in sophomore year. And for me, it's like, you haven't even learned the material yet in school. What are you going to prep? So, and I'm, you know, I'm very transparent. (laughs) Um, So I think, you know, prep is good and important, but I think 
it, it, it's a case by case situation. Um, and overall, I think, you know, there might be something better you want to do with your summer. This, I think this is the area I am a huge hypocrite because, um, or at least I feel like a hypocrite because out of one side of my mouth, I say, you know, pursue things you love, pursue learning something about yourself and, and building relationships and those kind of things, communication skills. And then out of the other side of my mouth, I say, you know, the, real, the reality of your SAT score is the schools that you, A, will be competitive in, and B, be able to generate a good financial aid offer. So mm -hmm. I, I realize that it's kind of, as a student, who wants to be a teenager where you're hearing the pressures of, you know, develop yourself and, and all of these things that are critical soft skills. And then out of the other side, you're hearing somebody who says, the, the best way to prepare for college uh, getting in and getting um, getting a good financial aid package is by studying for a test. So I've always felt kind of torn in, in two directions by, by having that discussion with students and still trying to sound authentic. No, but I think you raised it and we both raised it in really great ways because there is an importance to it, right? I don't think we can be naive to the fact that, you know, the standardized tests are part of admissions considerations, um, except at like test optional schools. And also, more importantly, for financial and merit aid, too. Um, yeah. So, you know, it really is a case-by-case -case basis. But for me, at least one thing I'll say about test prep is it depends on what you've learned already. <laughs> and before you sign up for, like, flashy programs, know that there's so many resources that are absolutely free, like Khan Academy, um, that have free practice tests that you can take advantage of. And to, to be wary of the hype. Um, I don't know if it happens with your families, but certainly I, I get some that come in and are so frantic because they're like, my friend's kid is preparing already. And I'm like, okay, right. that's not what we're doing. Well, we that, will do it when the time comes. That was one thing that was uh, interesting to me is to find out there's a difference between the East Coast and the West Coast in that I've talked with um, counselors on, on the East Coast who say they actually won't take a student to work with if they aren't signed up for an SAT prep class, whereas really, if, yeah, this is on the West Coast. No, on the East Coast. Oh, on the East Coast. I'm on the East Coast. <laughs> and, and on the West Coast, uh, that's actually I don't I don't know anybody who specifically says I won't work with you. I, I'll recommend that you know it's something that you might want to look into. But um, boy, I, I I don't think it would fly really well, at least not in our area, where you would say. I'm not going to work with you unless you're taking a, a test prep, even though it's really important. That is so interesting. So that is definitely not one of my policies in terms of test prep. I think, it, I guess it depends on each school district, right? So I think my, some of the school districts I work with, the kids are eager to test prep. And one of the things I actually have them do because so many of them already take APs and stuff like that yep. is I'm like, just, just for the first test, just go in blind. Just go in blind. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> and I think the thing that surprises them is that they are able to actually get a great score the first time and realize, wait, I don't need to prep. I'm done. Right. And I can go focus on other parts. Yep. And I think that that's one thing I have to be careful of when doing, you know, the, the quintessential thing with a broad brush saying, well, it's the East Coast. 
And, you know, that's their, uh, it was just a couple of counselors <laughs> that, it, and like you say, it might've been in a, a particular school district where that, that was the norm. And oh, wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, I, 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 it blew me away when I heard it. So I, I had to kind of file it away as, as wow, that's not something that I would naturally uh, assume for sure. Absolutely. And especially since test prep can be really expensive these days. Oh, no kidding. And long. And long. That's true. What would be interesting is if there was a test prep, uh, I just thought of this, if there was a test prep company that basically set it up that as you progress through the test prep, you actually provided uh, service learning or you had the opportunity to provide service learning to other students um, in your community. But I think that shoots the, uh, the financial model in the foot. Yeah, especially when test prep here, like, and I'm not joking, costs anywhere from like, and these are classes, not private, but four to $9,000 for the summer. Oh, my. oh, oh my, that, that is an expensive experience. Yes, yes. So that's why I'm, a, I'm always a little hesitant. It depends on the kid. Each kid is different. Well, I think the, the one thing was, if you were to say to a student, the most important thing to focus on with your summer activity would be X. What would you say X is? I would say the focus is on doing something that further shows them either something about your character or your academic or personal interests. What about you? Yeah, very similar. I would say learn something about yourself and be able to communicate that growth to others. Ooh, that is especially important for rising seniors. I like it. I think it's important for me. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> For everybody. Exactly. Well, this has been so much fun, Mark. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Hopefully uh, we uh, touched on some things that uh, some students will be able to put into motion this summer. Thanks for listening to the Coast to Coast College Admissions Podcast, where we make getting into college easy and fun. Don't forget to go over to iTunes and subscribe to get updated each week when we release a new episode. Also, for more helpful college admissions information, visit our website at www.c2ccollegepodcast.com. 